Dr. Ashley Rossman was raised in Northbrook, Illinois, and spent many hours at her father's veterinary clinic, Glen Oak Dog and Cat Hospital. She earned her undergraduate degree at the University of Michigan and her veterinary degree from Ross University in 2006, doing her clinical year at the University of Minnesota. After graduation, she joined the Glen Oak practice. She was certified in acupuncture by the Chi Institute in 2007 and was mentored extensively by Dr. Ralph Weichselbaum in diagnostic ultrasound. She's also spent time at the Royal Treatment Veterinary Center and Tops Veterinary Rehabilitation. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Ashley Rossman as we discuss growing up in the family veterinary practice, attending Ross University, the benefits of mentoring, and her experience representing the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association in the American Veterinary Medical Association's House of Delegates. Dr. Rossman, thanks for taking the time to talk in the middle of your busy day. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm happy I could um, be here and get the chance to chat with you. So how, what was it like growing up in the, uh, your dad's a veterinarian. How was it growing up in the family practice? Um, it was amazing. I think that that really like stemmed my way into um, going into veterinary medicine. It all started when um, I helped resuscitate uh, little Labrador puppies from a C-section. And um, after that, I was pretty much sold on the idea. Although I do love children, so I did consider going to the human side and doing pediatrics. Um, but um, I can honestly say I'm very happy with my choice. I love what I do. How uh, how old were you when you did the, the resuscitation? Around, between four and five. <laughs> so it was pretty early on. So you got a lot of exposure hanging out at the clinic then. Yeah, and then I worked as like kennel staff in high school. So um, I worked in a few other places to, you know, get my volunteer hours for vet school. But yeah, I spent most of my life um, around the around the clinic. Where did your dad go to school? He went to University of Illinois. Yeah. All right. And for undergrad, you decided to go to Michigan. I did. I'm a proud Wolverine. Um, I wanted the, the big college experience. I really didn't want to go to U of I. Most of my high school uh, was going there, and I just kind of wanted to meet new people and, and start fresh. And um, so I went to Michigan, and it was it was great. And then I went to Ross for veterinary school, and I um, did my clinical year at the University of Minnesota. Keeping it in the Big Ten. Yeah. <laughs> what was the Big Ten? Um, did you Did you like Ann Arbor? I loved it. It's a wonderful town. Um, it's it's very um, unlike some of the other. It, it's very liberal, um, and um, it's a wonderful city. They've got lots of, um, you know, they not only have the uh, athletic side of things, but they also have, you know, um, the artistic side of things with museums and shows and stuff like that. So for a small town, it really has a lot to offer. I think of. Uh... I think of Ann Arbor, of course, football and um, music because yeah. right? University of Michigan has a great music yeah. program. Yeah, they do. What, and you studied biology as an undergrad, yeah? Uh, actually, so I took I had I was one credit one course shy of a chem minor, but I was a psychology major. I kind of um, like to try to figure out how people work, and um, so it gave me some insight into that. And I felt like I, I wanted. To not, I wanted to have opened my horizons, have broader horizons than just the um, pre-science uh, stuff. So it was a really good 
um, addendum to what's going on. Of course, the abnormal psych was probably the most interesting to me because that's the most uh, medically relevant. But um, yeah, it was good. Psychology is super interesting in how people relate to each other and how they think. Oh, sure. Were you still toying with the idea of human medicine at that time? or, or had No, you lock, I, lock by the time I went to college, I pretty much, no, I was sold. Um, and my mother's a physician, and she kind of pushed me to, she said, you know, Ashley, I really, um, with all that's going on with the insurance companies and them trying to dictate how we practice medicine, I strongly believe you should go into veterinary medicine. So even she was not pushing me to go into the um, human side. Oh, that's interesting. What What type of medicine does she practice? Uh, she's an allergist. Yeah, she's boarded in um, asthma, allergy, and immunology. Yeah. Wow. So, but your undergrad, I'm sure, prepared you for dealing with people now a little bit better than some of us. Yeah, I think that we can all continue to learn, um, especially in today's society. Um, that's probably one of the most difficult facets of our job is the, is dealing with our staff and our clients. <laughs> Absolutely. So did you enjoy school on the island then? Um, I think I got a fantastic education. Um, I'm proud that I went to Ross. Uh, you know, it was not necessarily always easy living. I mean, it, the weather was gorgeous, but power would go out. If you wanted different food, you had to go like once a week when the ship came in. Um, so it wasn't easy, um, but you definitely formed good friendships and I got a terrific education. And I got a, I got a lot of hands-on surgical experience. Um, which I don't know that that continues to happen uh, anymore, but that wasn't happening on the uh, in the continental United States anymore. Um, so I was really like advanced when I came to my clinical year because of all the experience that I'd had. Why um, Minnesota? I wanted to go somewhere with a very high small animal caseload. And so that's what I got. <laughs> um, so I wanted to go to an urban environment that was busy. Um, to help prepare me to go work in an urban environment that's busy. <laughs> so um, a lot yeah. of the best schools are in like, you know, more rural areas. And I, as a Ross grad, we all had a track mix track, but I really knew that I was never going to go into large, large animals. So as much as I love my horses and cows and stuff, I don't have, I, I'm just a small animal. How many of your classmates were at Minnesota when you were there? I don't remember exactly. I believe there was about 10 of us. So... It was a decent number. I certainly wasn't alone. Was it uh, easy to fit in? Yeah. I, you know, the Minnesota students were somewhat welcoming. They obviously had already formed their friendships and stuff, but I didn't think, um, you know, one minute we sat there for orientation, they told us that, the, you know, the deans of the Minnesota vet school said, you guys belong here. You deserve to be here you know, just as much as our students. So welcome and don't let anybody or anyone make you feel less. You feel like you were pretty well prepared. Yeah. I think I was really well prepared. Did you like the twin cities? I did. I love the twin cities. I think it's a wonderful place um, to raise a family. Where did you go after graduation? So I went back home. I did my acupuncture training um, from the, at the Chi Institute um, I worked in my father's clinic and I worked in some other clinics. Um, and then I also did some extra training um, at the University of Illinois, so to speak, for uh, ultrasound. And, and what prompted the uh, interest in holistic medicine then? Yeah, so um, alternative medicine, I, 
you know, as an undergrad, I had, I, I didn't know anything about it really. Um, and then when I went to university of Minnesota, uh, I, I took the, I was, I was interested. They're like, Oh, there's an acupuncture rotation. Like, Oh my God, that's fantastic. I want to see what this is all about. And I guess I had an open mind to begin with. And then I saw, um, these chronic renal failure and, or they were actually having acute episodes of renal failure, but you know, they had had chronic problems. Um, and they were, you know, on death's door stuff. Um, and they were getting all the, they were hospitalized on IV fluids and getting all the stuff that a typical renal failure cat would get. And then acupuncture and herbs were added. And it was amazing to see their B1 and creatinine coming down. Um, their glomerular filtration rate was getting better. Um, so those were, you know, I just saw the acupuncture working and the herbs working right in front of me and I was sold. And I knew this is something I need to incorporate and I need to look into alternative medicine because there's just so much more out there than the traditional Western medicine. Well, did you actually get on a rotation with Dr. Choi then or did you I just did. see? I did, yeah. So how long, what was that like? How how long did you spend with her? I, so um, at, the, I, at the time, I believe our rotations were two to three weeks long. I mean, they're two weeks long. And I, um, uh, you know, you, you saw cases with her all day. It was all our alternative medicine and we discussed it. And she, you know, obviously we didn't, we weren't needling the patients, but we were starting to learn some of the points and seeing some of the benefits. And she was starting to teach us some of the um, fundamentals of traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. What was the, the split? Was there a, I'm sure there was some division between cases you guys were taking in and, and inpatients so we in were the hospital? pretty much getting referred referral based cases. Okay. Other clinicians in the hospital were sending us cases. Um, occasionally, you know, someone would come in and they just wanted like alternative medicine. But on the whole, we were getting referrals from inside of the hospital. Was there any sort of pattern? Did you sense that certain clinicians were op- were more open than <laughs> oh, others? Of course. Or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you could sense all oh, that clinician, you know. So 100%. But the clinicians that did use the alternative medicine service were all pretty pleased. <laughs> That's nice. And you guys had time in the, probably time in the day to sit and talk about the cases and how you treat them and that well, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, because you're on clinics and yeah, half your job is to teach us. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So what prompted your interest in ultrasound? Um, I don't know. I guess I've always just loved to, to kind of, you know, it's a, it's like a puzzle and you're trying to figure out, you know, what's wrong with the patient. Um, and so I spent, um, over, I, I, I did the executive veterinary program at U of I. It was about a two-year program, and I also spent a week a month for a little over a year working with um, my mentor, Dr. Weichelbaum in Minnesota, um, where he trained me one-on-one. So I I basically worked at the clinic three weeks, and one week would be in Minnesota. And that went on for some time. What were the logistics of the, the program at Illinois? So we had – it was – uh, every few months we would go down there for a weekend. Um, and then, uh, it was, a, you know, a fairly intensive weekend. And then at the end they gave a test where more than half the cat class, um, didn't, didn't pass. So, pretty yeah, rigorous. It was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and then and how did Dr. Uh, Mark Howes was in the class and that prompted him to become a radiologist. So wow. he's now a radiologist. Yep. Did you have equipment at, at the hospital that you could, so you could practice in between? Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a prerequisite to the courses that you had. And they told you the requirements, you know, I had to have pulse wave and Doppler flow and all sorts of things. You know, there were 
specifics. Like they wouldn't let you register for the class if you didn't have the equipment. Was that something that you're that was already at the clinic, or did you have guys have to buy? I that actually, I was. We had an older one, and I upgraded then because um, we needed to upgrade. So, um, oh yeah, that's nice. So, yeah. how did you get um, involved in mentoring with Dr. Weixelbaum? I did a rotation. I spent a couple weeks with him um, in clinics because I couldn't, as a Ross grad, I, I, I didn't get into the ultrasound rotation at uh, Minnesota at first. Um, eventually, I was able to get in. But um, so I, and I just, I doing the rotation with him, I, and he said, you know, if you ever want to come back, you can. And, and I did. Um, what, where was he working at that time? He was in the twin cities, but yeah, he's, he's mobile. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and he does the twin cities and Duluth and he goes from clinic to clinic all day long. He does about 15 scans a day. When you were doing that, did you, did you just head over to the cities or were you guys driving up to Duluth as well? So we did Duluth too. He does Duluth like, uh, one day, I believe every other week or every week. I don't remember exactly. It's been a decade since I did that, but yeah. So you guys had some time in the car. Mm-hmm. We absolutely did. Yeah. And we got to know each other pretty well. So what was a day like with him? Um, how many cases would you see? Yeah. You know, around we probably 10 to on a busy day, like 20, but I don't think that that's, you know, I think 10 to 15. Um, and you know, I'd get one-on-one hands-on training. You can't beat that. That must have done wonders for your confidence. Yes. Yeah. But the thing with ultrasound is the minute you become too confident, you're going to make a mistake and you're going to miss something. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So true. It can be very humbling. Did you enjoy your time at the Chi Institute? I did. I loved it. Um, I'd like to go back and and do some more work there. Um, But it really opened my mind to um, alternative medicine. I think it gave me a good foundation in acupuncture. And obviously your dad was, was good with it. Oh yeah. He's very supportive. You know, he's older, so he doesn't know that, that he all the time will be like, Hey, is there anything alternative I can use on this case? And what do you think about this? So yes, he's very much for it. So you're able to come back right away after the first module and, and start practicing. Yeah, I, I didn't like, I didn't charge people. I'm like, I'm in training for my acupuncture. Can we try this? I, I my first patient was a atopic dog. And sure enough, I, I got him off steroids and I had him on some herbals and acupuncture and it was amazing. Well, that must've been a, a confidence booster too, having a case that yeah, went right. Yeah, it was good having a win on one of my first cases. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, you mentioned that you spent time at some other practices as well. What, what kind of things did you do? So I've worked, I ran a um, wellness clinic at um, a local humane society. Um, I worked at, um, another, uh, another veterinarian's alternative practice. Um, I learned a lot there. Um, I, um, and then I also did some relief work at a regular general practice just to see how, um, other things are done in other places. That is kind of nice. Actually, all three of those things to just see how people do other things to bring it home to your own practice. Yeah. Right? I, I feel like you, you can like really gain, you can say, Oh, I like how this person does this, but I don't like how they do that. You know? So you can really gain, um, perspective and insights. Um, just to like even little things like the clinic that I, um, do some relief at now, 
I like the mats that they had on their tables. And I've been trying to find mats for our tables forever. And nothing I could find would last. And we ended up with blankets or just towels. And then they had these amazing mats. And they survived dogs and toenails and cats' toenails. And they can be cleaned. And, and they're wonderful. And I was like, you know, that's just a small example. That's one of those things like, you know, you and I have seen each other numerous times, you know, at a conference and, and that sort of thing probably would never come up in conversation. No, probably yeah. not. Yeah. You know, but whereas if you, you're right, if you're in the clinic, you see things and can ask questions and. Um, yeah. I mean, you're I, not going to talk about the mats on the table. Right, right. Right. And like the holistic clinic you spent time at, I'm sure that you saw different methods of doing. Say, yeah. Acupuncture. And, and, and she, um, she did the IVIS course or I did the chi course. So. Um, you know, and, and she had Dr. Marsden kind of being her mentor, whereas Dr. Chi was more mine. So it was interesting to just see like the slight differences. And there's just so, I mean, Dr. Marsden is one of the most amazing human beings that I know. So, um, you know, it was, it was great to, to get some of that input as well. What were some of the, what was the clientele like at the, the Humane Society where you did the wellness clinic? Oh, it was sad. like a lot of, um, we have a lot of homeless clients. Um, very low income, single moms, um, old, elderly. So it was great. Um, I was, I wasn't volunteering. I was getting paid, not as much as I would be have gotten paid elsewhere. Um, but you know, I really felt like I was giving back to the community. You really probably had to adapt your medicine quite a bit to, to fit that situation. Yeah. Though, yeah. yeah. Shelter medicine is very different from general medicine for sure. And there's limited money, there's limited diagnostics, there's limited treatment, everything is limited. And you, you learn to work within what you're given. Probably a really useful skill, yeah? It's a very good life lesson, yeah. You know, and even, uh, even in regular general practice, we have, there's lots of times where people can't afford different things and we have to, we have to work with them, you know? Yeah. You know, so the acupuncture is this much and the laser is this much and how, you know, what can you afford and how can we balance this? This is how many times I think you should get it. What can you, you know, so constantly playing around with that stuff. Sure. Sure. Um, I want to talk to you too about your time. You've been um, an alternate delegate for the house of delegates representing mm -hmm. the American holistic VMA mm -hmm. at the AVMA, the AVMA yeah. house of delegates. Yes. Um, and you got a meeting coming up, what, in a couple of months, right? Yes, I believe it's in July. Um, I am so honored to be the alternate delegate, and I'm honored to represent AHVMA. And my goal is to bring alternative medicine to the forefront um, and for other practitioners to see us that we're not like we don't have four eyes and we don't have extra limbs. We're, we're regular human beings. We just you know, think out of the box a little bit more than most. And um, so that's kind of my goal there. Um, and it's, it's been a really, uh, it's been a great honor um, to be on the House of Delegates. I'm also on a working committee um, and we are working on getting delegates to be more involved in AVMA. Um, and, and like we're trying to try and we did, we ran a survey trying with, with other delegates, trying to figure out what we could do um, to make, make people more involved and make things easier. So, um, it's been a wonderful experience and I, I look forward to continuing to serve. Um, I, I, my, my, my hope is that one day alternative medicine is a residency program, 
Um, and it's looked at as a specialty just like any other. Are you going to attend the meeting in person this year or are you going to be virtual? I am. I'm going to attend the meeting in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Refresh me. I, I, can't high, I have a high-risk daughter, um, so I couldn't do the winter meeting because Chicago, it's held in Chicago every year, and um, Chicago is having a tremendous COVID spike. And I just, I was, and I, I was very concerned that she could get it. And my daughter's only four, so she can't, you know, um, she can't, it's not even an option to vaccinate her. Where's the, where I can't remember where the in-person meeting is this year. Uh, Philadelphia. Nice. Yeah. So, um, what, which reference committee are on? Do you remember now? Oh, I don't remember the number. Um, but yes, we're divided into every, um, delegate is divided into a reference committee. Um, and every year it changes. Um, and the reference committee sit down and have specific topics that some of them are like VIF topics or regular topics, and they're, they're specifically set to the uh, reference committee, and we make recommendations to the House on where we think um, resolutions and um, VIF topics, what, what should happen with them. Um, and then as being an allied uh, group member, there's also um, the allied caucus, which is um, that happens before the House of Delegates meet. Uh, and we all get all the allied groups get together and discuss um, their opinions on uh, the topics that will be voted on later uh, in the session. I had to go back and do a little reading just to refresh myself. And so um, let me give a little background. So the AHVMA is one of uh, 70 um state organizations, uh, territory organizations, and allied groups that make up the House of Delegates. Each entity has a delegate and an alternate delegate. So from our point of view in our medicine, we have the AHVMA, um, as well as the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture have seats in the House of Delegates. And like you said, mm -hmm. I think there's roughly almost now 20 allied groups. So special interest organizations like AHVMA and AAVA are in that allied group you mentioned. And mm -hmm. of course, like you said, there's a caucus of those groups that that you know look at at the issues from the perspective of uh, from their viewpoint. Um, the other the other um, kind of wrinkle in it is the geographical um, organization by district. And it, it, have you attended any of the district meetings? I have not, not as of yet. It really doesn't, uh, you know, because you're representing an allied group. It really doesn't figure in because, right? You know, it just just sits where you live. But it, those have been interesting too, because, <clears throat> excuse me, regions of the country will take a look at the issues from a, from a geographic perspective, so to speak. Yeah. And then I did, uh, I did have to refresh myself. There are seven reference committees. And so they deal with um, the different ways that the a AVMA does business mm -hmm. and Delegates and alternate delegates are assigned. So like you said, you're going to be, you'll be assigned to a yeah, reference I am. committee. I'm assigned. Yeah. I just don't remember what number it is. Yeah. So I'll just run through them just so everybody can have a sense though. <clears throat> excuse me. There's administration, public matters, education and research, finance and economics, uh, legislative and government matters, uh, member services and scientific activities. So uh, all of those subcommittees or what we, they call reference committees deal with issues that affect the AVMA um, and will bring those issues forth to the general House of Delegates, which I think is a, 
is pretty cool. Um, We're actually discussing now having our reference committees meet a little bit before the session to kind of go over things um, in, advan in advance of the session. So that may be um, something new. We'll see. That's a lot of work, though. You know, when you guys, I mean, you know, when the when you have those few days of meetings, there's just so much work to get done in such a short a time, especially with uh, topics that are contentious, you know, to, to be able for everyone to hash through them and to yeah. to uh, speak their piece. But, you know, like you said, the biggest thing is uh, for us is that um, integrated medicine, alternative medicine is is represented within the framework of the AVMA because exactly. that, that helps us make inroads with our allopathic colleagues, which is really, really important, I think. It's extremely important, yes. So you've got the business meetings, you've got the reference committee meetings, and you know, and then, of course, there's the time in between. So there are um, social functions and then just those times, you know, when you're in the elevator that it's, it's uh, your opportunity to help us, you know, to make our, like you said, to, to have our yeah, I just want to bring alternative medicine um, into the, into the forefront. And I want it to, you know, like in my, my, my brain, like it should be medicine, not necessarily alternative, but medicine. Like it should just be considered part of what's done. Um, and I don't know that that will happen, but that's like kind of my goal. You know, that's my dream that, you know, Nobody looks at acupuncture or herbal medicine or chiropractic or homeopathy or any of the other, um, you know, uh, different, um, you know, tools that we can do um, and that people look at those like, oh, that's just normal. That's, that's just like getting a vaccine or an antibiotic. You know? That's yeah. just part of medicine. Yep. I think we really have to thank um the people in both of those organizations, the AHVMA and the AAVA, for being forward-thinking enough to to make that a priority. You know, to yeah. not every not every group um, gets admitted to the House of Delegates. There are certain membership requirements as far as the individual organizations. You have, to have a certain number of AVMA members, and yeah, um, you know, uh, and actually, like the vote in the House of Delegates is. Um, it's weighed. So the more people that your group represents, the higher weight of a vote you get. Exactly. So, you know, some groups with, I recall when I was serving that um, there was a couple of allied groups that weren't maintaining membership and were actually going to lose, had lost or were going to lose their membership because their membership size was small or the the percentage of their members that were AVMA members, which is a strict requirement was dropping yeah. off. And so those groups lose their voice. So it's really right. important for if you're a member of a holistic organization to maintain membership in the AVMA as well, even though folks may have their, um, their issues with the AVMA, it's important to keep your voice that you have to maintain your membership. Yeah. Because if you don't like what the AVMA is doing, the only way to change it is to get involved and work on changing. I think, um, you're, I, I totally agree, and you know, you, um, you know, the only way we're going to achieve the vision that 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 you have and that a lot of people have is for us to stay active and and stay uh, visual, you know, stay in front Absolutely. of people yeah. and interact with people. Well, Ashley, I think this is a probably a good place to stop. I, I want to thank you again for taking time during the middle of your workday to uh, to chat. It was my pleasure. I'm, I'm really grateful for and honored to, that I was asked to do it. And um, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys.
and I want to thank you for your service too to the organization and as a, as an alternate delegate. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. I, I hope to see you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Have a good day. Thank you too. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.